welcome to JudgeCast. My name is Jess Dunks, and I will be your host today alongside Brian Prillament. CJ Schrader is out today, but we do have uh, Matt Williams here with us. Say hi, Matt. Hello, everybody. And say hi, Brian. Hello, Brian. <laughs> um, uh, Matt Williams was actually uh, on our last episode as well, filling in for me because I wasn't there. Um, and you may hear us refer to him as Billy Willie as well. It's uh, so I figured that's going to happen. So I'll just throw it out there now. So listeners aren't confused. Yeah, I think it's happened each time I've been on. So anyone who's been listening a while probably is used to it at this point. <laughs> um, I don't think so I can today, actually, I don't think I can actually call you Matt. This is Billy Willie. That's what my daughter calls yeah. him too. She gets all excited because <laughs> she loves saying his name. It's because it's fun sounding. Hmm. <laughs> You're a fun-sounding guy. You think I'm fun? No, just your name, man. No, just your name. <laughs> Look at that uh, so anyway, profile pic, man. That's uh, a serious face. This uh, this episode is our Shadows Over Innistrad release notes recap, sort of. Um, we're not going to go over the whole release notes, but we are going to go over a lot of the cards that have interesting uh, interactions and mechanics. Uh, if you are interested in the specifics of the mechanics for this episode... Or for this set, uh, you'll want to check our episode 141, uh, where we went into all of the mechanics in this set in detail, uh, such as madness and double face cards and delirium and all that. Um, we might go over that some here today, but we're not going to go too much in depth on it. Uh, we're also going to have a new format. If you've heard some of our release notes episodes before, uh, we've just kind of gone alphabetically through the list of cards that we had pulled from the release notes. Uh, and this, we actually separated it out because we spent previously a lot of time talking about rares that had very little impact on people's pre-release events uh, because you don't see them as much. So we're going to start off talking about the commons and uncommons you're most likely to see uh, in the sealed events that you're going to be judging this coming weekend. And then we're going to move on to rare cards and talk a little more about the, the rules and uh, the deep stuff involved with that. So if you're more interested in that, um, there should be... Uh, in the show notes, a timestamp that you can just jump forward to that timestamp uh, and listen to all the interesting stuff about the rare cards and not have to hear this if that's not what you're into. Uh, are we ready to get started? Yes. Awesome. Let's get going. Um, so, uh, real quick, Brian, do you want to start us off just by talking about werewolves as a yeah. group of cards and how they work? Sure. So, so werewolves are uh, amongst one of the more popular uh, mechanics from the last time we came to Innistrad. Prior to Innistrad, there was only like three werewolves in all of Magic, and they were all awful. Uh, so werewolves really made a big punch with with uh, the first Innistrad, and it's no surprise that they're back. So all all werewolves are uh, have a theme. To them, they're all double face cards. They have a day side and a night side. Uh, well, they have a sun and a moon. Um, <laughs> they, have, they, have a, they have a front face and a back face. They have a day side. <laughs> continue, and continue a, that argument. And a night side. Um, and they they have a, a similar triggers to transform them. So they'll they'll go from human to werewolf, and then they might go back to to human. And it it creates an interesting tension because they can change 
not necessarily at any time, and we'll we'll talk about the the triggers themselves. So uh, there's one card, for example, Convicted Killers. It's two and a red. It's a two two. Uh, common uh, human werewolf. It says at the beginning of each upkeep, if no spells were cast last turn, transform convicted killer. So at the beginning of your upkeep, or sorry, at the beginning of each upkeep, you look back and said, did anybody cast any spells last turn? If the answer is no, you're going to transform him, which means you're going to turn him over. And all and all the day side of all werewolves has this this trigger. Um. And then you turn him over to his night side, and he's a big, ferocious werewolf. Um, and uh, Convicted Killer turns into Branded Howler. Uh, Branded Howler is a 4-4 creature uh, that, said, that also has the werewolf trigger of at the beginning of your upkeep. Now, this is how you turn him back uh, at the beginning of your upkeep. If a player – oh, sorry, at the beginning of each upkeep, if a player – Okay, cast two or more spells last turn, transform Branded Howler. So in order to go from human to werewolf, you looked and said, did anybody cast, or did, did, did no spells get cast? And so he's werewolf, he becomes a werewolf, and to go back to human, your opponent, normally your opponent, is going to have to cast two spells to get him to flip back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, one thing that you want to be careful of is... Normally, the werewolf side is the is the big beefier side, so you don't want to uh, accidentally cast two spells to so that uh, during uh, the next upkeep he's going to transform. And so you want to be aware, and this is probably going to come up, that uh, if you cast a spell and it says, "Oh, as an additional cost, you need to discard a card," and you're like, "Oh, well, I'll just discard this madness card and then cast it." Well, that's you just cast two spells. So casting a spell for its madness cost is still casting a spell. Please remember that. Please keep that in mind when you're doing your math, because mm-hmm. it's gonna get you at the pre-release. Yep. What one of the things that's cool about uh, werewolves is that specifically with werewolves, not the other double face cards, but the werewolves, if something would transform a human into a werewolf or vice versa, it hits all of them at once, which is thematically very appropriate because you wouldn't be like, oh, this full moon is out. I wonder how many werewolves will transform tonight. Uh, so it hits all of them at once. And the only time you should see a werewolf that is transformed and a werewolf that is not is if the one that was not was just played. And I guess you could you could have you could have um you know, you have a bunch of werewolves and you play a human, so they're different. And then next turn, it's possible that that human's going to become uh, a werewolf. And if everyone's just casting one spell a turn, then they're going to stay as they are. But your opponent's going to yep. save up and cast two spells. If you've got a lot of werewolves, he's going to they're going to they're going to try to to get rid of them werewolves because a uh, uh, two two is a lot easier to deal with than a four four. So yeah. I- uh, I think one thing I want to just touch on is the werewolves are human werewolves pretty much exclusively on the front, and they lose the human creature type when they flip. I knew a couple times you said they were just human yeah. on the front side. So one one really neat thing, I mean, this isn't this isn't rules perspective, but it really adds to the enjoyment. The 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 guy or people or whatever in the artwork on the front when you when they flip over it's always there's always some sort of callback in the art to the to the other side and i think that that just really 
really, really uh, uh, sells it, you know, from a... You mean, like, yeah, like, the guy you're referring to is, because we're still looking at Convicted Killer here, is, uh, he's got the, the, like, what looks like scars or brands on his chest, and you can actually see the same scars on the werewolf side. And he's got the manacles, he's got a manacle on, uh, on the, the right wrist in both, so... Mm -hmm. It's it's really cool. It's really neat. I like looking for that that sort of detail, and they did a really really good job selling selling the transformation aspect in that regard. So. Um, I I have nothing to add to that. Yeah, I think we've covered werewolves pretty well there. Yeah, I think we went pretty deep. There's so much <laughs> better, so much better than lesser werewolf and greater werewolf. Hey, werebear was sweet. All right. He was. He Threshold the, was was awesome. He has the right to bear arms. Uh, yeah, that's the flavor. Te- <laughs> that's the best flavor text. I would argue that even though these werewolves are pretty cool, where bear is the best lycanthrope in uh, in in magic. Is it pronounced lycanthrope? Or is I'm going to pronounce it lycanthrope. Well, it's like uh, lycanthropy is what they've got, but it's a lycan lycanthrope. Like, I don't know, send us an email and correct our pronunciation. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about the next card on our list here. We've got uh, Bound by Moonsilver is an enchantment. Uh, that is an aura. It says enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack, block, or transform. This is a very typical um, kind of arrest or pacifism effect. Uh, it says sacrifice another permanent and then a if you sacrifice another permanent, you can attach Bound by Moonsilver to target creatures. So it's interesting in that if you sacrifice a creature, you can move it around to other other guys. And you can activate this ability on time, anytime you could cast a sorcery and only once each turn. Now, that could be on my turn and also on my opponent's turn. So I can activate it once per turn, not just on my own. Um, uh, except for the part where it says sorcery, sweet. which I was conveniently ignoring there. Um <laughs> No, if it didn't say that part, uh, I'm sorry. It does say you can only activate it as a sorcery, so only on your own turn. Uh, even if you have something that would let you cast things with flash, it still doesn't work. Um, now, uh, this says it can't transform, right? So if you had something that, that transformed whatever it was and also did something else, um, then the, the something else would uh, also happen. Whatever it was. Now, yeah. So I got, I got, I got a question, just thematically. Yep. So we're at the pre-release, and someone does, someone did the exact same thing that you just did, which is yep. you ignored that last yeah, and that cast, part that I just read. Right. Um, so, so it's it's right before combat. I sacrifice another permanent, and we attach it. Uh, we attach the uh, the bond bound by moon silver. Uh, to your guy, you don't attack, you pass the turn back to me, and oops. Uh, so what's what's that at a pre-release? What do we do there? At a pre-release? Uh, yeah. If the actions happen just like you described, uh, if I'm the player, first of all, if I'm the, the other, if I realize, oh, I wasn't supposed to do that, I'm going to go, oh, I wasn't supposed to do that, and call the judge. If my opponent does that and we realize it, I will probably just be like, do you want to put it back in play or whatever? Uh, but it, really, you should call a judge. And if you call the judge and I'm the judge, uh, then I'm going to just I'm going to back the game up to that point, put everything back in play where it was supposed to be, and then let that player decide again whether or not they're going to attack and continue with their turn. Because yep. that's, yeah. that's kind of especially these things where it's like 
activate this or cast this only as a as a sorcery, those those tend to trip people up a lot. I know for a fact that at a pre-release I've made mistakes on cards yeah. with those similar restrictions. Uh, I've forgotten the cards are legendary. It's just it's it's a mess. I I, uh, take- I I've gone back to my round one opponent because in round two I realized that I could only activate an ability as sorcery, and I've gone up to him and been like, "Hey, that card that I beat you, uh, I'm really sorry." Uh, I'm sure I've told this story before, uh, but I played the entire Scars of Meriden pre-release thinking that Arctrail was an instant, and it was the best card in my deck by far. <laughs> my god. <laughs> that, card's, that card's good as it is, as an instant. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, so no, normally we just uh, rotate through these cards, and Billy Willie would get the next one. But I want to grab the next one real quick, and then we'll move on to let the little get the one after that. And the reason I want to grab the next one is because this is going to cover so many things and so many cards that we could say. Uh, the next card we're going to talk about. I just, if that's got, right, I just got blocked. You did. I just got, kick, I just got kicked off the show. <laughs> well, I mean, I can hit this little button right here and Good. do it. Oh. I could, but it'd probably make us stop recording. So you're safe. <laughs> All right. So, Jess, what's the next card? Next card is uh, Confront the Unknown. Confront the Unknown is an instant. It costs one green mana. It says, investigate, then get target Then target creature gets plus one, plus one, until end of turn for each clue you control. Uh, wow, I'm I'm not going to make that joke. Anyway, so... Without uh, not having a clue? <laughs> nope, nope, it was a different joke. I'll tell you later. Um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, let's say that I target a creature and my opponent responds by destroying my creature with some effect. Uh, the spell is going to be countered because the targets are not... It has no legal targets. Um, and I don't get to investigate, which is the important part here. And this is probably going to come up at least once at your pre-release. Anytime a spell, all of a target, a spell's targets are illegal, the, you don't do anything else on the card, including investigate. And this is something we say every time we do a release notes episode, and I just wanted to get it out of the way now. If Something is countered because all of its targets are illegal. You don't do anything else on the card. Yeah. All right. Uh, Billy, yeah, you want to grab the next card? Oh, sorry. Did you have something to say about yeah, uh, I just want to – we also – I know when I deal with new cards for players, a lot of times people want to know if they can do something in between. Uh, and so like with this card, you're going to do the investigate, and then you're going to count how many clue tokens to get the plus one, plus one. Mm-hmm. There isn't an opportunity during this time where the number of clue tokens you have should change. You should just have the new one that you just received from the this spell yeah. and however many you already had in place. Right, you can't like crack a clue in the middle. Right. And your opponent can't just, like, you know, destroy your clue token in the middle either. Right. So that seems to come up whenever there's these multi-step spells with, uh, for me at least. Uh, I guess I've got a creeping feeling about this next card. Huh. What is it? Uh, it's Creeping Dead. It's uh, three and a black for an enchantment that reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, each player discards a card. Each opponent who discarded a card that shares a card type with the card you discarded loses three life. And I uh, just want to say real quick, it's Creeping Dread. What did I say? You said Creeping Dead. Uh, they look like they're dead. They do. They really <laughs> do. So Creeping Dread, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so this one handles the issue of 
what how do you discard at the same time? Uh, we've previously had cards that have made both players discard. Uh, players can get a little sloppy with, I'm just going to throw my card into the graveyard. We want to be a little bit more careful right now because we do have Madness as an issue. Uh, so each you're going to pick your card uh, face down. Uh, you do that in turn order if there's a bunch of you making decisions. And then you're going to reveal them all at once. And then we're going to check to see if we have this uh, sharing of types. Um, the idea here is that we don't want either player to know what the other person is discarding, uh, assuming it's a two-player game. Right. Uh, and then it looks like there's also a note here for if you have no cards in hand, the opponent will still discard a card. Uh, but there will be nothing to com- compare to, so there's no life loss. So if you choose to discard a card and madness it, okay, um, does it is it still there to share a type? Or, like, I mad- you discard a creature and I madness a creature? Like, so... Yeah, the card was still, the card was still discarded. And its type is still. Uh, we're not really checking in a. Uh, it's it's checking for it in the zone that it went to. Right. So. Mm-hmm. So that's that's perfectly fine. So, yeah, you you're gonna you're gonna choose the card that you want to discard, and then when you reveal them, you're like, oh, well, now I'm gonna madness it before it actually goes to the graveyard. You're not just gonna be like, well, I'm gonna madness this face down card. You don't get to know what it is. <laughs> you don't get to know that I did that. You'll find out. <laughs> you'll find you'll find out in a second. You you wait a minute. I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll let you know if what I did makes sense in just a moment. Now the the same thing could be true of your opponent. Though. I, I think that question is going to come up more frequently when the other player has a card with madness. Like, right. hey, what do I do with this? Yeah, uh, and oh, the answer right. is you, you you don't do anything with it until we both reveal the cards. Yeah, right. You're, you're going to know if you've lost the three life before you make the decision on if you're going to cast the spell. Right. All right. Uh, Essence Flux. For a blue, it is a, an instant that says, uh, Exile target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Uh, if it's a spirit, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So the important the important thing to notice to note on this is um, since we have double face cards, I'm gonna I'm gonna exile exile target creature. Okay, it's gonna go away, and then it's going to be we're gonna return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Now it's gonna come uh, come back front face up. Now if you remember uh, from our uh, previous episode when we were talking about double face cards, um, if if it can't come back in, actually that was for transform stuff. Uh, yeah, for this, this particular this one, yeah, this, this, this doesn't apply. But what does apply is so all the double face cards are going to return, come back with their with their uh, front face up. Except there's this really weird uh, sorcery double face card that's like a little a little creepy kid um, with a knife. Uh, it's something dreams or yeah, man, I don't know. We'll talk about it later in the show. But yeah, it's a sorcery that transforms into a, a creepy little kid. And if you startled awake, if you if you essence flux the creepy little kid, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. This also has an interesting interaction with uh, skin infestation, which is a card we'll get to later. But that card is an aura. Uh, so it's an aura on one side and a creature on the other. So if you exile the creature. Uh, and it comes back as an aura, you get to choose a new thing for it to be enchanting. Right. 
and, and, if, I think, and if there's nothing for it, and if there's nothing for it to enchant at that point, it just stays where it is. I think the other thing too is just whenever you have one of these, you know, flicker effects, it's always important to pay attention to whose control it comes back under. So yep. you, you can give your opponent their creature back with a counter on it <laughs> on accident. Oops. Yes, you can. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next card that we're going to talk about is Fiery Temper, which I think is the first Madness card on our list. Uh, first of all, I love the new art on Fiery Temper. I don't know about you guys, but this set... Oh, it's great. It's it's cool because Avacyn kind of seems like she became a badass. Yes. Um, and I don't, I don't know when that happened. She's like, she was She was cool before. Like She was just like all, you know, savior of hope and light. And now she's just really upset. Uh, I guess this is like the teenage angst years and Soren's still dealing with it. <laughs> Jeez, uh, I, I guess there's a few parents out there that know, uh, know get that feeling of that anguished unmaking. You know, <laughs> I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. That whole thing. You've been saying that more and more now, Brian. I know she's still fine. I'm building up some sort of equity in in just you know, dude. It's like three more years. She's gonna be like, Dad, take me to Hot Topic, and I'm gonna be like, No. <laughs> no. So, Fiery Temper. <laughs> Fiery Temper is, uh, on its face, it's probably the worst lightning bolt you've ever seen. Uh, it costs one red red, uh, so it's three mana to deal. It's an instant that deals three mana damage to target creature or player. Uh, but it has madness for one red, which means it's actually lightning bolt if you get to discard it, which is pretty cool. Um, so, the... First thing I want to talk about is, and I, I don't know if this is really going to come up or not. CJ put this in here, and I, I, I think this might be too specific, but it's cool. Uh, let's say I have eight cards in my hand. My opponent has a 4-4 that has one damage on it from combat. Can I discard this because I'm discarding for my turn and kill the 4-4? Well, yeah, because uh, the the whole combat damage thing wears off after you discard, so you discard, you kill it, and then the damage where it would have worn off, but the creature's already dead, right? Uh, so no, <laughs> no, what? No, <laughs> what? Uh, you you discard first and then clean up damage. Yeah, that's what I said. So you discard, you kill it, and then damage would be cleaned up, but it's already dead. You haven't gotten priority yet, boss. Oh. <laughs> Um, so basically, you discard, and then you clean up damage, and then you have priority to to, to put the Madness trigger on the stack and, and cast Fiery Temper with Madness. So you can still deal three damage to something, but it will no longer have damage marked on it, which is a little awkward. Yeah, we'll just clean that damage up, and we'll try again next time. <laughs> um, but right. I do love the art on this card, so... Oh, yeah, the, just, the art sorry. on this set is pretty fantastic. All right, so what's the next card? Uh, we've got a Geist Blast. It's two and a red for an instant that reads Geist Blast deals two damage to target creature or player. It also has two and a blue. Exile Geist Blast from your graveyard. Copy target instant or sorcery spell that you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, pretty clearly here, the second ability is only active in the graveyard. And it also only targets instants or sorceries that you control so you're not getting to steal your opponent's spell a uh, couple of things to note while copying instants or sorceries if there's a value for an X 
for an X spell, you're going to get to copy that X value. And similarly, since we do have Madness in this set, uh, a couple of cards, I believe, care about if the Madness costs were being paid. I think there's a cycle for that. Uh, then that will also be copied as well. Uh, I think I'm pretty interested to see how this card plays in general. I don't know how often you're going to get to copy some stuff, but I think it could be pretty sweet. Um, I think th this is going to be interesting in that I think you're probably more often than not going to get to copy some Madness cards because you're casting them for a cheaper cost. Potentially. I just like the fact that it's a, a removal spell that can potentially do something later in the game. Right. I agree. So, all right. I'm sure I'm surely going to forget that it's in my graveyard when I get to play with it, and be really upset later. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I, I do something like that. So, uh, for the next card, we have uh, Howl Pack Wolf. Uh, you remember the Howl Pack Alpha was uh, was an Innistrad last time, but this one is just one of the random wolves from the Howl Packs pack. Um, two and a red for a 3-3 three, three, uh, that says uh, Howl Pack Wolf can't block unless you control another wolf or werewolf. Uh, so what's pointing out here is if you control a second of itself. So if you have two copies of Howl Pack Wolf, uh, they can both block. I went ahead and inserted this one in because I really expect this question to come up a lot at pre-releases. Yeah, I can see well, that. Blocking, blocking and attacking restrictions are always very confusing, especially to new players. Um, so they're not really sure if I have two things with this restriction. Can I do the thing? Can I not do the thing? Um, this is a little more clear than, like, can't block unless something else blocks and having two of that. But I, I still think it's worth noting. Yeah, I think it's it's something that is always uh, can come up. You're trying to grasp, get a hold of so many different new cards. Easy question to uh, come up. Right. It's also an easy one to answer, so uh, it's it's uh, it's not too bad. Uh, the next one's also pretty easy to answer, but I'm going so to power through it. Inspiring Captain uh, says, when Inspiring Captain enters the battlefield, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Now, this effect is very straightforward. There's only one thing I want to point out about it, and that is if I cast a creature after Inspiring Captain... The plus one, plus one bonus does not apply to it. That plus one, plus one isn't just all of my creatures get this until the end of the turn. It locks in what creatures get this bonus when Inspiring Captain enters the battlefield and that trigger resolves. Um, so creatures that enter later do not get the bonus. Yeah, seems pretty straightforward. Up next, we have the Kessig Forge Master. It's one in a red for a creature human shaman werewolf that has the standard werewolf ability of if uh, no spells are cast you're going to transform it but it also has a nice trigger for whenever it becomes blo blocked or becomes blocked by a creature it's going to deal one damage to that creature on the the knight side we have that trigger upgrades to whenever the flameheart werewolf blocks or becomes blocked by a creature, it's going to deal two damage to that creature, and it has the standard werewolf flip back if two or more spells were cast uh, during the previous turn. These kind of cards I always find pretty great uh, because it just messes with combat damage because people have to account for this trigger. Oh yeah, especially uh, if you have more than one. 
Oh, yeah. It just can really mess with you. And the important thing is uh, with this trigger, if it is becomes blocked, it's going to deal the two dam- one or two damage, depending on which side's up, uh, to each creature that blocks it. Uh, and if that's enough to uh, kill any of the creatures, it's still a blocked. That doesn't change because it uh, because the creature's no longer there. Right. Yeah. So be sure don't don't block uh, Flameheart uh, Werewolf with your two Scion tokens. That's a joke. Yes, that, that will was a, not that, work. That's a that, joke. That won't, that won't, that won't uh, work. Also, if you manage to get Scion tokens at this pre-release, something went horribly awry. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I really, think... I opened up my pre-release pack, and there was uh, Eldrazi Mimics in there. Hey. Yeah. yeah, I always I always like it if you could somehow give these types of creatures trample. Because <laughs> it just oh, yeah. really, really ups the, uh, the pressure you put your opponent under. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so, so, Kindly Stranger. Yeah, this is one of my favorite cards from... Uh, uh, there are a lot of these that I'm going to say this is one of my favorite cards. This is one of my favorite cards from a flavor perspective. This right. is sweet. So, uh, I'm, oh, And God. I love the how the art works on this one. This is yeah. great. Yeah. So so Kindly Stranger, so it's on on the the day side. It's just this, this nice matronly looking grandmother uh, with a little walking stick. And uh, so it's a two, three creature human with delirium. Uh, two and a black, transform kindly stranger. Right there, that sounds ominous. Um, activate this ability only if there are four or more t- card types among the cards in your graveyard. Um, and then when you uh, transform her, she becomes demon-possessed witch. So it's like straight out of uh, uh, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead. It's a trick. It's a trap. Get an axe. Uh <laughs> So that's really what you want to do. Uh, she becomes a deadite, and with the trigger, when this creature transforms into demon possessed witch, you may destroy target creature, and she becomes a four three. So uh, she becomes a removal spell. Now, what you look at it and you say like, oh well, that's really cool. So if I have six mana, I can just activate it twice, and then she'll transform, and then I'll get the trigger when she transforms, and then she'll transform back. Well, no. Uh, because they've changed the rules on how transform car, uh, how the transform ability works. So you can activate it a whole bunch of times, but it's only yeah. actually going to transform it once. Right. Oh. Oh. That's no good. So you can pay six, nine, twelve mana, sure, and you get a severely demon possessed witch, but she's only gonna uh, destroy one target creature. Sorry. Now, now, you guys mentioned, and I mentioned, the art on this card, uh, so I do want to just describe it briefly. On one side, it's got this nice little old lady, nice looking little old lady, and on the other side, it's got someone who is clearly uh, a demon-possessed witch. Uh, but even on the other side, even on the Kindly Stranger side, it kind of looks ominous, right? Like, that old lady looks like she's just like, what? would you like to try this poison apple? Like, Hold, hold on <laughs> right? now. Just a, a nice grandmotherly woman in the middle of a swamp all by herself oh, that's yeah. perfectly normal right yeah she's I, going to help you out yeah but and i do love the flavor text on the day side it says i'm not afraid out here for i know that a higher power protects me oh gee yeah yeah <laughs> run away run away it's it, it's a, it's a trick get an axe <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and then to follow up the night side it does say it looks like you could use some protection of your own oh She's coming for you, man. Oh, that one out of context. All right. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, <laughs> Jess, you got this next one. You want me to take it? Uh, no, I got it. It's uh, it's good. It's uh, you can have the one after that. Uh, neglected heirloom is our next card. Uh, neglected heirloom is um, it's an artifact equipment. It's equipped creature gets plus one plus one and when equipped creature transforms transform neglected heirloom so this is a a cool effect it it's a it's a weapon that transforms with you i really like the flavor uh, it transforms into ash mouth blade uh, which is an artifact equipment and it says equipped creature gets plus three plus three and has first strike and two questions that go along with this one yes it stays equipped to the to the creature it was equipped to uh, two, it will not transform back if something transforms the creature back into the other side. And actually, three, third thing, it has an equip cost on both sides, so once it's transformed, you can move it over to other things and give them plus three, plus three, and first strike. So I think this is actually just an all-around good card. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, you've yeah. seen the, the the base stats on the on the front side are, are pretty decent, and when it transforms, it really pays off. So, so here's a. I just realized this is kind of neat. So I, I play my human. It transforms into a vampire. Then I play my neglected heirloom and equip it. Then if my opponent plays two spells, they're both going to transform, but in different directions. But you mean werewolves, not that? Oh, werewolves. Yes. Yeah. Werewolves. Yes, that. Yeah, that's really cool. Because then your creature's probably going to stay about the same size. That that is <laughs> that is a thing that can happen. <laughs> um. And, you know, I said vampire because it kind of looks like a steak. And I was, yeah. Buffy. Yeah. On one side, it kind of looks like a steak. Yeah, I could. I, uh, oh. Uh, sure. Billy Willie. Oh, this what? is a card. This is a card that really stood out to me when I was looking through the uh, the spoiler. And uh, it's skin evasion. It costs a single red. It's an enchantment aura. And it says enchant creature. Enchanted creature attacks each turn, each combat if able. Uh, when enchanted creature dies, return skin evasion to the battlefield transformed under your control. The uh, knight side is called Skin Shedder, and it is a creature insect horror. It's a 3 4. So I just like how this really works out because you pay a single red. Force your opponent's creature to attack at you, kill it during combat, and now you get your nice shiny 3-4. And all because there was, uh, you know, a little uh, little rash or something that uh, took over their body. The flavor text is hilarious. Really ominous. On, uh, on Skin Shedder. Oh, yeah? Pa- patient complained of a burning sensation in upper back and base of neck. Bed rest recommended. In a couple of days, he should feel like a new man. <laughs> I feel like this this trope has been used by like every like sci-fi slash horror show ever. Oh yeah, it's 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 just classic. And I'm kind of surprised they didn't hit it in the first uh, the first Innistrad. Yeah, because they um, did a really good job of hitting all those all those things. They did. Uh, so a couple of things we want to touch on this. Uh, while the creature does have to attack each combat, uh, the controller does get to pick if they're attacking uh, the player or the planeswalker, if that choice needs to be made. Uh, the 
Aura is still owned by, or still, uh, the controller is the person who's going to get Skin Shedder. It's not going to be whoever creature it was enchanted onto. Uh, and the other thing that you want to make sure that happens is that it only works, like you're only going to get the 3-4, is if the creature does die. Uh, so the enchantment getting removed doesn't help you. If the creature is exiled, it doesn't help you. If the enchantment is exiled, it doesn't help you. <laughs> uh, you, you need that thing to die. Right. So I think... Uh, I think it's actually pretty fra- flavorful, right? Like, if that bug on oh. your back gets whacked off, you don't transform. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> uh, and I think the uh, there's also some flavor with, depending on which creature uh, you enchant, whether it's mine or my opponent's, that I still get the... Uh, the insect when when the creature dies, yeah. right? There's some play too. I mean, making your creature opponents attack into it, or just giving yourself, you know, an out in case your opponent does end up playing a removal spell on your creature later. Three four for one seems pretty good, even if there's a couple of hoops. Hmm. I'm just imagining trying to get this creature to jump through hoops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... The next one is Stinzia Masquerade. Stin- did I pronounce that right? Stinza? Stinzia? Um, I don't just, actually know. I don't know either. I had a hard time. Wasn't there a land from the last set that had this? Uh, the Blood Hall or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah. Stinzia Blood Hall. That's right. All right. So this is an enchantment, uh, which apparently when I wrote the information, I misread this as a creature because, you know, clearly uh, the art shows... Is people so it's enchantment that says attacking creatures you control have first strike. Um, whenever a vampire you control deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Um, so what's good about this is so you've got a you've got a vampire. Let's say it's a, a two two. Let's say it's a two two, and so it's gonna it's gonna hit for. Uh, two damage, then get a plus one, plus one counter, so it's three, so if the creature is able to crack back, it's a little bit tougher. Um, one question that gets asked is, well, what happens if this gets, uh, uh, if this gets disenchanted after the creature's already done, done its damage? So, I attack with a creature, it's got first strike, after first strike damage, Denzia Masquerade is destroyed somehow say there's a creature that when it dies you get to destroy target enchantment um the question is now that the creatures have lost first strike do they get to do normal damage again and the answer is no no they don't <laughs> so um and conversely and i think the thing you forgot to mention with this is that it has madness uh so it has madness two in a red so let's say something happens during combat uh to give all of your creatures first strike there's nowhere you can give them first strike uh, that it stops them from doing damage because we've either passed the combat damage step or we still have the opportunity to do first strike damage. There's nowhere you can be like, well, after first strike, unless there was already something with first strike. Now, let's say there was already something with first strike. We've gone through the first strike combat damage step. And then we get one of these played via madness. People, tell me what happens. So here's so if <laughs> Let's uh, saying that there is a first strike uh, combat damage step uh, and zero to, or like I said, at least one uh, creature creature did damage and then this thing gets gets flashed in in the middle um, 
all your creatures now have first strike, so now we move into normal normal damage. Well, well, clearly they don't get to do any damage because they have first strike, so they should have done their combat damage in first strike, but this regular damage, so they don't get to do anything, but that doesn't make any sense. So, hmm. So what happens is the rules actually say uh, the the normal damage step or the regular combat damage step is for creatures that didn't have first strike as the first strike combat damage step began. So if they somehow gained first strike in the middle of that, uh, they're going to get to do their damage during the, the, the regular combat damage. So there's really no way to kind of either get to it. There's no way to like home make double strike. And there's no <laughs> way and there's no way to uh, cheese your opponent out of being able to hit you. Homemade double strike. Yeah, homemade double strike. Just just imagining some like <laughs> just imagining some vampire sitting there with just like a dacker in one hand and like grandma's home baked cookies in the other, and be like, it's homemade double strike. It's homemade double strike. <laughs> well look, if my creature has first strike and it's getting first strike again, isn't that double strike? It's <laughs> It's first to strike. What was it was there was there was a, a I think I saw on like Twitter or something where people were talking about a last strike or a last yep. strike. That that amuses me. Also, I, I want that to happen. But I, I do like the the some an effort to make this card a little bit simpler since it does have three abilities on it. That all of your creatures have first strike, so there's not a chance for you to have that second the triggered ability to happen and change your creatures and miss that. Right. Like, if you have some vampires and not vampires, you don't have where you're going to get the plus one, plus one counter and get messed up. Right. That's true. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really good point. All right, so that exhausts uh, the list of commons and uncommons we had because, well, commons and uncommons tend to be pretty straightforward. Um, who would have thought? <laughs> Yeah, New World Order, simpler uh, commons and uncommons. Hmm. Hey, Beepril, were you uh, startled awake? Uh, I was. Well, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm old and I nap a lot. And occasionally, you know, sounds you hear sounds creaking and stuff like that in this big house. So yes, yeah, so now we're 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 moving on to rares, and this is this is my favorite card in the whole set. Um, it's not amazingly awesome or anything like that, but the the flavor of it's really kind of cool. So Startled Awake is two blue-blue for a sorcery uh, that says target opponent puts the top 13 cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Um, So you get milled for 13 cards. Ooh, 13, it's a scary number. Um, And then for three blue-blue... Uh, you put Startled Awake from your graveyard onto the battlefield transformed. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So not on your opponent's turn. And Startled Awake has to be in the graveyard in order to do this. Now, what's kind of cool is, so the art on Startled Awake on the day side, <laughs> but it's at night. Funny. Um, it's uh, a woman sitting up in bed, holding her head, and there's this blue shadowy ghost thing kind of poking her on the shoulder, like hovering over her, poking her on the shoulder. And you can see her shadow against uh, against the wall, but you, you don't see any shadow of any of the, the boogeyman behind her. Then, uh, when it transforms, it transforms into Persistent Nightmare, uh, which is a 1-1 with Skulk. 
this creature can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. And that says, when Persistent Nightmare deals combat damage to a player, return it to its owner's hand. So it'll, uh, if you pay the five, it'll return as a 1-1 a, a uh, little creepy kid. It'll stab you for one, and then it'll go back into the hand, and it'll become a person, you know, you can cast again and startle the wake. So yeah, so the art on, on Persistent Nightmare is this woman just kind of walking, and again, you see her shadow, and the creepy little ghost kid with a big dagger kind of lurking behind her, no shadow on him. And he's like turned around looking back at the camera and it's got this real ghostly children of the corn vibe. Um, is it, so, so speaking of the art real quick, is is this, is the girl on the startled awake side, is that woman the same girl, just an older version of the same girl from the cloistered youth card from the first set? Ooh. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it might be. I think it's supposed to be the same dress. We're going to go look. Sorry to sidetrack us, but I just nah. noticed that, and I was like, uh, "It it looks like the same to me." I mean, I could also buy it if it were different, because they're not like super uh, obvious. But I think it's I think it might be supposed to be the same person. It's it's a similar dress. That one looks more like a, a night sh- like if the cloistered youth the. Here we are talking about clothes and stuff like that, but the dress looks a little <laughs> higher on cloistered youth than on persistent nightmare. It looks like it looks more like a shift or. Like a nightgown yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I think if they were going to do that, they'd probably use the same artist. But I'm going to choose to believe that it's the same girl. Uh, so she she got fixed from Unholy Fiend? Uh, yes, we used Urgent Exorcism because it's flavor magic. Oh, okay. Great. That's fine. I always complained that that card did not work that way. <laughs> so so from a from, so I, I really like this card just because of it's dripping with flavor and all that stuff but it actually has one little rules thing that we alluded to earlier uh, so blinking this uh, you're gonna end up with a permanently exiled uh, startled awake uh, so if you if you blink persistent nightmare uh, the little kid the little brat's gonna go into exile children of the corn um, he's gonna go into exile and good. When it it's tries creepy. to come back, it's going to try and come back uh, dayside. And there's an actual, there's a rule. The dayside's a sorcery. That makes no sense. And there's a rule that says sorcerers can't do that, silly boy. And it's going to stay in exile. Womp womp. Um, let's see here. Yep. Uh, let's see. So there's a card called Eerie Interlude. Exile any number of target creatures you control, which Persistent Nightmare could be one of those. Return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of the next instep. Uh, that's not going to happen, at least for the Persistent Nightmare. So that's one way to get rid of a little brat. The, the not so persistent nightmare. The not so persistent. He becomes he becomes slightly slightly persistent, but but yeah, the little, the little glowy face. That thing. This thing's going to be awesome in foil. Jeez, and you get hit twice with a startled awake. That's gonna hurt. Yeah, that's pretty much game over and limited. <laughs> right. <laughs> eh, three times is game over. Twi- twice, you might still be able to do that. I mean, you're talking about yeah. I mean, you're not getting this until like turn five. What turn six is when you're gonna have it happen a second time? Well, sure. Well, yeah. obviously in draft you you drafted the four startle awake deck. Your, your mythic, your mythic. It's a mythic. It's a mythic rare, dude. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're four. It'll happen in one draft once. Of course it will, because nobody's going to take, like, people are going to pass this card. 
So, like, the guy who first picked it is going to be amazed about why he also got it fourth pick. <laughs> it reminds me of what – was it uh, – there was another Milker that was rare that was got passed around a couple times. It always happened that there would be two or three in the draft. You're like, why is this happening? It's This is why it's rare or mythic rare is so that this doesn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of mythic rares uh, that aren't going to get passed – uh, we've got the next card is uh, Arlen Cord. I've got a funny aside about this. Arlen Cord is is uh, the new Planeswalker Werewolf, which is cool. Um, the last Star City Games Open I went to, which is a couple weeks ago, um, somebody pointed at one of the big banners that they had and went, wow, it's so cool that they can get those banners so fast. Uh, look, they've got one that's, that's Arlen Cord over there. And I looked over because I was thinking, wow, that's really quick because this card was recently spoiled. And then I looked over and went, dude, that's Freilis from the Commander set from like a year and a half ago. <laughs> and he I went, know. oh. Oh. Womp womp. Uh, oh. Anyway, so uh, this card, um, uh, it's it's a Planeswalker. It costs two and a red and a green. And... Uh, it only has two abilities on its front face. Uh, the first one is plus one loyalty. Until end of turn, up to one target creature gets plus two, plus two, and gains vigilance and haste. And the second ability is zero loyalty. Put a two-two green wolf creature token onto the battlefield. Transform Arlen Cord. And then the other side is still a planeswalker. And uh, it is both red and green, even though it does not have... Uh, a mana cost up in the corner. Uh, it's got three abilities. It's got the little color color identity. Oh, it's split. Yes, it has Look a that. color indicator. It has a color indicator. That's not the first time we've seen that. They did that with Garrick uh, in. Uh, was it? In the, yeah, Garrick uh, the Veil Cursed had it was green and black and had a color indicator. You know, um, the only card that doesn't is. Uh, Transguild Courier, which is all five colors, and its oracle text gives it a color indicator for all five cards, but the MTGO version does not have said color indicator, so it's all five cards, but you have no way of knowing that looking at it. It's really awkward. Oh, it does. It's, the uh, Gar- Garrick is... That way. I guess it's just so dark, I never never really noticed. I just looked at the border of the card. Fair enough. Um, uh, Ravager of the Fells, I think, has the same as well. Um, so this is this is something we've seen before, uh, but it's it is pretty cool looking. Uh, it's Arlen embraced by the moon. Uh, three abilities. The first one is plus one creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain trample until end of turn. Uh, minus one Arlen embraced by the moon deals three damage to target creature or player and then transform it back. And then minus six, uh, you get an emblem with creatures you control have haste and tap. This creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature or player. Um, this card is really good. Sweet! Limited, this card is insane. Uh, this card is just going to be... This is a house. Uh, this is... this is. I think it's constructed playable, and it's just a must-take and limited. A um, couple things about this card. If you manage to somehow get more than one, it's going to happen to somebody somewhere. Uh, this does not work the way that the Origins Planeswalkers do. Because it is a Planeswalker on both sides, uh, if you have Arlen Embraced by the Moon and Arlen Cord in play, you will have to choose one because they have the same Planeswalker type. You will choose one and put it in your graveyard to keep the other one in play. 
Um, and when she transforms, she has the same number of counters, and you have already activated one of her abilities this turn, so you cannot just keep transforming her back and forth over and over again the same turn. You mean that uh, thing, that, that infinite combo thing? They wouldn't give me a one-card infinite combo? No. No, they wouldn't. Uh, I mean, not now. <laughs> I mean, what one-card combos have, I don't know, infinite combos, but one-card combos exist. They call it escape shift. One card infinite combos, <laughs> man. That's it, it. Always kind of because people have asked this question, and it it always like there's there's always this moment of do you you think they do that? You know, uh, I think it's a fair question. I think anytime you look at a card and you think, hey, does this 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 seems amazing? Uh, I think it's totally fine to ask the question. Does this do that? Uh, well, I, I think, think showing up at your event and assuming it does that when it's too good is probably not a good idea. I, it's it's just kind of one of these things where it's like it's like this card without that is amazing. The card with that is almost one of the best cards ever printed, ever. Right. Right. And so, mm. and as we talked about with the captain from earlier, uh, the ability that gives all of your creatures plus one plus one and trample until, until end of turn only applies to creatures that are on the battlefield when that ability resolves. If you play more creatures later, they do not get the bonus. And, and I want to touch on this, that this is a planeswalker, it's not a creature. While right. she looks like a werewolf, she do, is not a werewolf. As far as things that would count the number of wolves or werewolves you have. So, and from a, uh, yeah, so so it doesn't count her as werewolves, and she does not transform the way that other werewolves transform. And from a flavor perspective, they solved this inconsistency by saying that as a planeswalker, she gained the ability to control her own transformation. And they, they've, they've said that, like, when you become a planes, like, the reason Karn's not an artifact planeswalker is they say when you become a planeswalker, you kind of supersede all other types as well, so... Uh, and they've said yeah i mean i think that that's really just retconning simplicity like we don't want to make the card too complicated well sure (laughs) i mean they probably probably what happened was they started having some discussions along those lines like you know like nickel bolus why isn't he planeswalker dragon or planeswalker (laughs) elder dragon and they're like ah because that's a lot of words on the line we can't fit it so eh, he's just a planeswalker all right. Um, so next we have part. we have Angel of Deliverance. It's six white white for a creature angel that has flying. It also has delirium. Whenever Angel of Deli- Deliverance deals damage, if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, exile target creature and opponent controls. It's pretty sweet for a six six. Um, one thing about this triggering condition is whenever it deals damage. Uh, it's going to trigger with Delirium, but it only triggers once during damage. So if I deal damage to multiple creatures, we're only going to get one trigger. Uh, if my this angel were to trade it during combat, uh, if Delirium existed, uh, you would still get the trigger. And what I don't I don't understand this last note there, Jess. You want to tell me what's going on with this? Mm-hmm. Which part? The the last note. Of if if oh, you have non-creature. So, uh, let's see. Just combat damages. There's four more card types on exile. 
target creature opponent controls. If you have non-creature cards in your graveyard, and this oh, trades in... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, so, the triggered ability is a little awkward in that if this dies... Um, the, uh, the, 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 yeah, so, so it's a question of whether if, let's say you have three non-creature types in your graveyard and this trades in combat, um, what happens, does that count as the fourth type or did it only look at the three at the time that it dealt damage? Right, right. Okay. And it only looks at the three at the time that it dealt damage. Right. Yeah. Okay. I was sorry. It's okay. It's, it's, it's a poorly worded note. Sorry about that. No problem. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the just we count the number of uh, card types in your graveyard when the damage is being dealt. Uh, Angela Deliverance isn't uh, obviously it hasn't been put into the graveyard uh, if it were dying in combat uh, when this is being counted. So, so even though just, uh, even though uh, state based actions are checked before triggers would be put on the stack. Uh, the ability ha- did not trigger at the time that it dealt damage because there weren't four types in your graveyard. This is the, the important distinction there. And the I guess the other thing we want to talk about here is uh, if this trigger does trigger, uh, the your opponent's creatures that have died in combat aren't there for you to uh, exile. Uh, right, yeah, because they're not on the battlefield anymore. So they're not there. Yeah. You can't target right. them. You have to target something else. Yeah. Um, all right, Avacyn's Judgment, which is also another cool card, and uh, it has, uh, looks like Tanyo in it. It does. It feels like this is a placement. I, I actually feel like the Fiery Temper Art could be on this card, and I would accept it much more readily. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so it's got it's got Avacyn swooping in, Tanyo's holding Chase over a ledge, but none of that's important because it's a red sorcery for one in a red. Uh, it has there are two blue planeswalkers on it, right? <laughs> but it's a red card. Sure, and <laughs> I, I'll, I like the the, I, the damage that it deals too. So okay, so it's Madness X Red, uh, and says Avacyn's Judgment deals two damage divided any way you choose among any number of uh, of target creatures and or players. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Stop right there before before we get into the if the madness cost was paid. So um, you can target. So it says you, it deals two damage divided any way you choose amongst any number of target uh, target creatures and or players. So you can target as many creatures and players uh, uh, as as you want, but you've got to deal at least one damage to them. So really, you're either going to do you can only do one or two. You cannot do zero. You cannot notably. do zero, and you can't like, oh, well, I'm going to target 50 and only do one damage there and one damage there. Now The old illusion trick. Okay. My opponent has four Phantasmal Images in play. Right. <laughs> now, you you also can't uh, can't deal damage to a player's Planeswalker and that player at the same time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. She is shooting at two planeswalkers. Well, I, I was about to. Uh, that's actually why I was stopping. And if I have two planeswalkers, mm, no. So, so clearly she's not going to be able to get both Tamio and Jace. Um, now the next part of it is is Avacyn's Judgment's madness cost was paid. 
it deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of those creatures or players instead. So in this particular case... And the case, madness cost has an X in it. The madness cost has an X in it. So if X is 5, okay, so you paid uh, five, 5 and a red, you can now target 5 creatures and each of them gets 1, or you can target 1 creature and it gets 5 or 2 and 3 for 2 creatures. You mix and match, man. Hey, as long as each... Each dude is getting at least hit for one. It's all good. Everybody receives a little bit of judgment. Everybody gets a little bit, but not both Tamio and Jace. They're one of them. One of them screwed. The other one's fine. Man, this card. I don't like this card. Like this card is cl- it's clearly a plant because they wanted this story piece in there, but like nothing about this card makes sense. It's a red card with these two blue planeswalkers on it. The art doesn't even work for like, it doesn't even look like Addison's actually dealing damage to anything other than the bridge that they were on, which would make sense if it destroyed artifacts. Maybe like this card. I hate this card. I see. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I like the art. I don't know that the art necessarily fits the card. Um, sure. Yeah. I also I, like. I, I mean, the, I also like what the card does. <laughs> I do like what the card does. Sure. I guess I'm getting lost on the fact that the art is it, like this was a total fail. This was a fail. Art's kind of cool. Like the art is great on its own, and the card is fine on its own. I think that the two together never should meet. <laughs> they, these these should not meet. Um, yes. This is the, every set. There's a card where I'm just like, this art is terrible. I think this is it. Uh, there's, right. there's a card in the set that I also don't like, but for the art. But let's let's go ahead and skip past that for now. <laughs> okay, sorry, I was I was ranting. Um, next one is uh, this is one of my favorite cards. Grandma uh, and I'll tell you one in a minute. Grandma Sweet Tea. Uh, brain in a jar. So what? Uh, it's Metroid. <laughs> it's Mother Brain. So. Uh, uh, one of the, the the only reason this is one of my favorite cards is because Mark Rosewater tweeted about it, uh, and he said he tweeted about it with the comment uh, that apparently the uh, R and D's ban on vanity cards didn't apply to Watsi's upper management. Oh, making a Gleamax reference. Yes. Nice. So I like the Gleamax reference. Anyway, this is Sprint in a Jar. Fair enough, um, fair enough. It's an artifact that costs two. You can pay one and put a charge counter on Brain in a Jar. Then you may cast an instant or sorcery uh, card with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Brain in the Jar from your hand without paying its mana cost. So uh, if I play this and then I pay one and tap it, I can cast a lightning bolt. If the next turn I pay one and tap it, it gets another charge counter, I can cast a thing twice from my hand. Um, I was going to cast lightning helix, but sure. You could cast lightning helix. Lightning helix is the much funner card. Um, And it has a second ability that says... Pay three, tap it, remove X charge counters from Brain in a Jar, and scry X. So it's got this way you can ratchet it up, and it's got this way you can ratchet it down and still do something useful. Um, yeah, I, I like the I like the fact that in in limited like you really don't even need to have a whole lot of instants and sorceries. Like it's not great, but it still has a use. Like you can just tick it up, tick it up, tick it up, and then get like a big scry and set up a bunch of draws late in the game. Yeah, I think. What this is, where this really is going to shine is casting sorceries during combat. Uh, that'll do it. That'll do pig. <laughs> um, 
But anyway, so uh, a couple things about this card. If the instant or sorcery that you are trying to cast has an X in the cost, the X is zero when you cast it with this card. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, yeah, that's really bad for anything that even remotely resembles Fireball. Um, if it has any alternate costs, for example, uh, Madness or Awaken or something more recent, uh, you can't use them uh, since you're casting it for free. Uh, if it has additional costs, however, such as as an additional cost, sacrifice a creature or a land or whatever, uh, you can pay for those. In fact, in some cases, you might have to pay for those. Uh, if this is destroyed in response to the first ability being activated, uh, if the brain in a jar, rather, is destroyed in response to the ability being activated, you use whatever number of counters existed on it when the card was destroyed. Um uh, how does yeah. this interact with split cards? <laughs> Billy Willie, go. <laughs> it's yes. Split cards right. have two CMCs. As long as... <laughs> it, uh, yes. it, it works the way so, you want it. When we were talking earlier about uh, it being yeah. too good. Yeah. Um. Right, so <laughs> if you... With split cards, if as long as one side of the card matches, you can cast either side of the card. It's a little awkward. If you have a fuse card, because you're casting it from your hand, you confuse it. You confuse it? You confuse you it. Confuse it. It's you, so confusing. You confuse the brain in the jar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get, I like so, oh no. Right, we said so. We said earlier if it's if it's too good, uh, it's probably it's probably not right. Uh, this is a case where, yeah, it's it's too good and it's it is right. Yeah, I think people have been wanting something to be fancy with fuse, and this time it actually works. Right. Um, and I'm wondering if this is a bug, so to speak. Uh, we we have seen that before. I think actually the last Innistrad set was the last time we saw a, a card printed where the rules were changed to the next set to deal with it. That was Banisher Priest. Was that Innistrad? Uh, was it? Was the rules changed to deal with banishment? Yeah, first? it was quiet, but there was a there was an awkward loophole where if you exiled a clone and the clone came back, it could copy the banisher priest because it was. Oh like, yeah, they fixed that whole thing. But so you can't do that, just for the record, because uh, they changed it the next set because that didn't work the way they wanted it to. This might be one of those things, but who knows? Yeah, I remember somebody trying to trap me with that on the floor of a GP. Uh, Banish Priest was M14. Oh, okay, I was mistaken. Um, that is going to torment me for a while. Oh, uh, well, you're only tormented by something elusive. So the elusive tormentor up next is two black black for a creature vampire wizard. It is a 4-4 with the ability uh, one discard a card Transform Elusive Tormentor. Uh, this black creature now becomes a blue creature on the night side. It is an elemental that is a zero one that is hexproof, indestructible. It cannot block and cannot be blocked. And whenever Insidious Mist attacks and isn't blocked, you may pay two and a black if you do transform it. So, uh, this card's kind of nifty. Um, one of the things to note is it is a generic mana 
to activate the dis- the ability on the front side. Uh, we have we have left the world of requiring the colorless, so that's good to note. We also um, that world being Zendikar. Yeah, we also now um, with this is a madness outlet because you have the discarded card, so that can be helpful. Uh, you can activate the ability multiple times to discard multiple cards for to get the madness effect, but you're still only going to transform the elusive tormentor one time. So if I activate it and discard a card, and then in response activate it and discard a card again, I'm only transforming it once. Right, but you will have the opportunity to pay those madness costs for both of those cards that you discarded, assuming they had madness. Right, okay. Um, you can... The art on Insidious Mist looks like a photo. Yeah. It looks like a photo, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, close. I mean, it's very good art. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, and uh, one of the notes that we have here is that this card, uh, because of the way the abilities work for transforming it, you can have this flip back and forth uh, in the same turn. You can uh, transform it. Uh, attack and then transform back so that you can deal the four damage because the trigger for Insidious Mist is when it attacks and isn't blocked, you may pay two and a black to transform to transform it. So that's pretty cool. Get your nice little uh, sneaky attacker. Um, and the other thing is you can block with the elusive trans- tormentor side, the, the day side, and then transform it after you've blocked. Uh, just because you've transformed it after blockers are declared, the Insidious Mist ability that says it can't block or can't be blocked won't make an impact on the declared blocker step if we've already passed it. That's a right. lot of stuff. These things, so many abilities. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I really like the flavor of this as well. Um, being able to be this... Zero one that sneaks in, and then be able to flip it over to be a four four is fairly sweet. So, and the art is kind of indicative of that. Do you so, feel something you want to say? Yeah, something? I, I, oh, no, no. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. Are we ready to move on? Or I, I, I think uh, I think we're ready to move on. All right. So the next the next card is called uh, Ever After. Uh, it is a sequel to the Once Upon a Time uh, TV show that's on like the CW or whatever. I'm um, pretty sure it's actually a, a, a 1998 it. American rom-com. Oh, um, well, it looks like these people <laughs> have been dead since 1998. Uh, so, so um, ever ever after, what's really cool about this is it looks like a married couple that has just like, are they coming out of a grave married? I would believe yeah. that's a true. That's been dead for a while. What's that? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a couple that's been dead, a married couple that's been dead for a while, and they're coming back because you know they gotta have their happily ever after, even if it means uh, coming back as a zombie. So anyway, it is a sorcery for four generic black black return up to two target creatures. Oh, that's sad if it's only one. Um, return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Each of those creatures is a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. Put Ever After on the bottom of its owner's library. 
feel like this should have some bonus if one of those creatures has soul bond. Oh, <laughs> it should. Nice. Right. That'd be awesome. Um, so, yeah, so these this is a couple that got soul bonded and then they both died and now they're back. Um, right. So um, now this is this is a little bit of a flavor fail. But what if you bring back uh, a devoid creature? One of those Eldrazi's. <laughs> um, still black. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is, it's still going to be a black creature. It's still going to be a black zombie Drazi. El zombie. But the the reason for that is Devoid is a character's defining ability. Okay? And this ability is it's just it's a color-changing ability that says you're black. So what happens is, is in the... Just like with power and toughness, you apply CDAs first, uh, both color and type, those layers. If there's a CDA, you actually apply those first. So you bring back your Eldrazi's that have been married and dead, um, and uh, uh, they're going to be devoid. But then, hey, you're black. It's going to lay down right on top of it. Uh, then same thing with... Uh, I guess uh, not. Chain wouldn't work with Changeling because it's already a zombie. Um so the question then is, much like with other these other cards, what happens if one of the targets is removed? Well, uh, the spell's still going to resolve. It's still going to return now the only the one creature, and they're going to spend eternity wandering around looking for their soulmate. It's kind of sad. Now, what happens if both targets are removed? Well. Um, Ever After will be countered because all of its targets are gone, and it's not going to end up on the bottom of the owner's library. Uh, it'll end up in the graveyard. It's a sad story. <laughs> it is. It's, it's horrible. Look, they're holding hands. It's a, it's so sad. It looks like in the background that it's you know they were a much more lively couple before. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, I actually do like. The ability the put Ever After on the bottom of its owner's library. I like this uh, way that they've kind of gotten cards instead out of, of the graveyard instead of like just exile it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like nice, that a lot too. That space is being utilized as well. Yeah, and it, and it kind of fits with the Ever After. You know, putting it on the bottom. It's it's like the end of you're you're making it the end of your library, the end of the story kind of thing. I don't know. It's a stretch, but it works. Yeah, no, sure. It is a stretch. You're right. Oh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next card. That's why. Uh, next, next card. We've got a lot of these to get through, so let's keep it up. Rapid fire. Um, okay, CJ. Right, well, I don't know about rapid fire. We did that once when Tayback was on the show. I, I don't know if I like that. Um, so, uh, Falcon Wrath Gorger. Uh, Falcon Wrath Gorger is a one mana two one. Already, I like it. It's red. Uh, each creature card you own that isn't on the battlefield has madness. The madness cost is equal to its mana cost. Um, so we've already discussed madness. We know how that works. So this is pretty straightforward. Uh, if you have a reason to discard a creature card that normally doesn't have madness, but you control the Scourger, you can instead cast it with madness. Uh, if you discard it and the madness triggers on the stack and your opponent's like, I'm going to be clever and... I'm going to kill your Falconrath Gorger in response to that madness trigger, you can still cast it for its madness cost, because that trigger has already gone on the stack, and that cost is already locked in. Seems pretty good. I think that's 
all I've got Pretty for much that in, card. Yeah, there's not much there. Uh, next card is Flameblade Angel. It's four red red for a 4-4 four, four angel. It has flying, and it says, Whenever a source an opponent controls deals damage to you or a permanent you control, you may have Flameblade Angel deal one damage to that source's controller. Uh, so if uh, something deals damage to multiple permits you control, uh, double blocking, trampling, something like that, uh, you'll get the trigger multiple times. Uh, if uh, both players control a Flame Blade Angel, uh, this thing is going to keep going back and forth. They're going to play ping pong uh, until someone decides not to, most likely, because that's uh, you got, this is a May ability. And that seems to be about the gist of this one as far as I'm concerned. Anyone else have anything they want to talk about? I do not. Nope. All right. Well, what's the next card on the list? Uh, the people? next card is Gold Knight Castigator. For two red red, it is a creature angel flying haste. If a sort uh, four nine. Four nine. Uh, if a source would deal, uh, if a source would deal damage to you, it deals double that damage instead. Uh, if a source would deal damage to Gold Knight Castigator, it deals double double that damage to Gold Knight Castigator instead. I guess that's why nine it's suddenly makes sense. Yeah, nine does suddenly <laughs> make sense. Um, four so, plus nine is thirteen. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Uh, hmm. So if you have two of these out, you're going to take four damage or four times damage. Uh, let's see here. It, however, let's see. Here. If you have two out, each will only take. Okay, so if you have two of these out, you're gonna take uh four times damage. If you have two of these out, uh, each of them will only take two times the damage. Uh, because it's re- only referring to Gold Knight Castigate. It's using its name. It's referring to itself. Um, so this is that's gonna be a trap when somebody goes. I have two Gold Knight Castigators. Does that affect double? And you go, why are you playing that terrible card? Yeah. Um, it's not so, that bad, actually. Yeah, it's really, I mean, a 4-9 flying haste, you know. It's, yeah, it's it's four, four flying damage for four. They, they have one of these every other set or so. Uh, let's hear. If you have a planeswalker out and the opponent tries to lightning bolt you or otherwise deal non-combat damage, uh, you're going to get to choose in which order to apply the effects. Uh, so either double. Uh, uh, so if they if they're trying to get it get it to go to the uh, uh, planeswalker, you can say, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna send it to the planeswalker before we before we go to double it, and then you, you're not actually gonna double it because it's not dealing damage to you. On the other hand, they could do it in the other direction. So for example, if I lightning bolt your Jason, say I'm gonna deal six to your Jace, and you go okay, and put your Jace in the graveyard. Nothing illegal has happened here. Yeah, that that's going to happen to somebody, and they're not going to be happy about it. Yeah. Right. All right. Next. Uh, next, we have Geralt's masterpiece. Uh, Geralt's masterpiece is a seven-seven zombie horror for three blue blue. Uh, it has flying. It gets minus one, minus one for each card in your hand. Uh. So it gets stronger when you're dumber, I guess. Uh, it has an ability that says three and a blue and discard three cards to return Dralf's Masterpiece from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. 
A um, couple things about this. Obviously, that second ability only works from the graveyard. Uh, you cannot activate it when it's on the battlefield. Uh, you can only do it in the graveyard. The, the third ability? Yes. Sorry, third ability. Flying is the first ability. You're right. The third ability. The second ability uh, that gives it minus one, minus one is also relevant in that there are a lot of effects in this set that, that draw and discard cards and care about that. If you have an effect which draws you up to seven cards and then has you discard cards, and it is a single effect, uh, even though Draw's Masterpiece might be zero toughness in the middle of that effect, uh, it, state-based actions are not going to be checked until you are done uh, with the entire effect. So if you, as long as you have... Uh, less than seven cards in your hand when you are done with the effect, Draw's Masterpiece will still live. Yeah, just uh, I think just the thing that when you're playing with this is pay attention to damage that's marked on to it while you're doing things. Yep. Because that can easily cause a problem. And I think, uh, you know, it gets stronger when you've put more effort into it, you know, and put all your energy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll buy that. All right, I'll great. Buy that. Uh, um, I actually... Okay. I was just going to say that this reminds me a little bit. It's not as good, obviously, but this reminds me a lot of uh, Sylvan Advocate in that sometimes Sylvan Advocates will take three damage and then people will fetch with a land, forgetting that that's their sixth land. And suddenly they have a creature with three damage that now has three toughness again. Uh Uh, And I think that kind of thing will happen here where you've got something that that uh, say has taken five damage and then you do something to draw a card. uh, And and now we're, we're it's dead. Yep, uh, completely agree. Uh, up next, we have the Invocation of Saint Traft. It's one white-blue for an enchantment aura. Uh, enchanted creature has, whenever this creature attacks, put a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking, exile that token at the end of combat. Uh, just like it's the Geist of Saint Traft, which hailed from Innistrad before. Uh, when this angel comes into play, you need to uh, declare what it's attacking if there is an option. Uh, this trigger is a delayed zone change trigger for those who care regarding the IPG. And uh, get rid- getting rid of the enchantment uh, won't stop you from having to exile your angel uh, but if you end the turn, then <laughs> sure. <laughs> With the wow, turn, like Easter eggs DJ left for you there. That's uh, thanks. Oh, no, that's, that's, April, wasn't it? that's mine, man. Of course it is. Great. Uh, and the other, th- I guess, the other thing that's on here too is um, if anything cares about the number of creatures that attacked this turn, your angel will not count for that because it was not declared as an attacker. During the declare attacker step, it was just put into play attacking. So here's what annoys me about this card. Oh. All right. So for the same cost as Geist of St. Traft, uh-huh. you get half the abilities and no creature. Like, it doesn't have hexproof, and you already have to have a creature in play. Well, yeah, but you could put it on a... I don't know, like a skulker or something like that, where it can't be blocked. Maybe. Uh, 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 right. I think. Yeah. I mean, 
And the versatility. Sweet. It's, it's still good. Guys just saying Trapped was amazing. So it's like, oh, my, <laughs> my problem My problem is this is slightly less good than amazing. Right. Like, I was like, I remember just getting blown out by the Geist. Like, uh, right. Like, oh, yeah, Geist was not a fun card. You know, like, it was 2HG Fall of the Titans level, not a fun card. It's like, you know what the problem with this Hot Fudge Sunday is? It doesn't have whipped cream on it. It's awful. <laughs> I'm allergic to all of those things. <laughs> okay. Damn it. I was actually thinking, oh. I was like, Jess doesn't care about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, the fudge, the ice cream, the whipped cream, all of it. It's death. <laughs> sounds, sounds awful. Sounds like, sounds miserable. Oh. Um, so, uh, <laughs> all right. What's the next card? Na- Nahiri the Harbinger. Harbinger. The Harbinger, yes. All right. Although uh, many people will pronounce it Harbinger. I guarantee it. You're going to hear it all the time. Harbinger. Harbinger. Har- Harbo. Gummy Bear. Um, so for two for two, uh, two red and a white, uh, she is a Planeswalker Michael Bay film. Um, yep. Because she's walking away. She's doing the dramatic slow walk away from an explosion. Um, I if, swear I see like a Transformer landing on a building right there. Like, right. It Maybe that's the Enterprise landing in San Francisco. I, I don't know what happened. It's possible. Uh, I also there's a comment in here. If it was raining, it could also be a scene in Superman versus Batman. Um, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I believe that. I haven't seen that movie yet. We're gonna, we're gonna have to. That movie's awful. Don't 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 waste. Don't pay full price. Go go for a matinee like a month from now. Oh yeah. That makes me sad. We can talk after. If you want to hear us talk, contribute to our Patreon. Batman versus <laughs> Superman. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, you're gonna stop th- making that joke. <laughs> I know we need to do a Patreon. All right. So plus two. Uh, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. So the first thing to note is you may, you can just plus two her, and if you don't want to discard a card, don't. But if you don't, you don't draw a card. Um, the minus two ability is exile target enchantment tapped artifact or tapped creature uh, the thing to remember here is your enchantment doesn't have to be tapped not that there's a whole lot of ways to get those enchantments tapped um, yeah yeah future sight whatever um, let's see here uh, the minus 8 ability is search your library for an artifact or creature card put it onto the battlefield then shuffle your library it gains haste uh, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next instep uh, so you can get, even though it's a, you know, get an artifact or creature card. Yeah, you can get an artifact creature. Um, and then if the artifact or creature moves to another zone before the delayed triggers happen, it's not going to get bounced back to your hand. So if, if it, you know, dies and goes to the graveyard or gets exiled or just flickered, uh, it's a new object. Uh, this trigger's not going to track it across that, so it's not going to go back to your hand. Uh, neat thing, though, uh, because the permanent's gaining haste, if somehow you get an artifact that can animate into a creature, it's going to have haste. Yay! Probably. I mean, there's there's some corner cases. But in general, it's going to have haste. Um, hey, Beeper, what happens with Madness with the first ability? Uh, so you are discarding a card, so even though you, that counts for the, the if you do. So, if I may discard a card, I'm going to discard, uh, Fiery Temper. It's going to, it's going to exile, um, and I did, I did discard a card, so I'm going to draw a card, and then I'm going to cast my Fiery Temper. 
It's madness. Or not. Or not. I'm going to cast so The point is you get, you get to choose after you have drawn the card. Yes. I'm, I'm casting my fiery temper. <laughs> you also get to select targets after you've drawn the card. Yes. Because the, the cast trigger is going to resolve after you've drawn the card, so you get to see. Yep. You get all the, the sexiness. Yep. Um... I don't think there's much else to talk about with this card. No, I, think I do like to... that the, the the flavor is set up in such a way that you can never destroy equipment with Nahiri, which is nice, uh, I guess, from a ooh, that's neat standpoint. Uh, well, it's all, it's, I, I think there's some equipment that tap. Yeah, really? there are a couple. Yeah, uh, there are a couple of equipment that tap. That's true. They're all coming out. Uh, they don't you count. Work real hard uh, for it, though. <laughs> yeah. They almost all detach when they tap. Wait, no, actually, I think a lot of most of those have the creature tap, right? Uh, razor boomerang and stuff. We'll find out. Yeah. Go, on, go on to the next one. I'll look. I'll look it up. Yeah, this is this is all you just got a lot of words on it. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> They're all keywords. All of them. All right. Uh, this is Audric Lunark Marshall. Uh, he's a legendary creature human soldier, and he has the ability. One ability that takes up the entire card. Yep. Uh, it says, at the beginning of each combat, creatures you control gain first strike until end of turn if you control a creature, uh, if a creature you control has first strike. The same is true for flying, death touch, double strike, haste, hexproof, indestructible, lifelink, menace, reach, skulk, trample, and vigilance. And apart- I love how they're in alphabetical order. I'm glad they're in alphabetical order, because what if it's a keyword I'm looking for, but he doesn't give me? How do I find out if it's there? But they're not in alphabetical order. That's my whole point. What? Oh, no, they're not. Flying comes first. Why does flying come first? It's first strike, then flying, and then we go to the Ds. (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like that was just so it all fit on the card. (laughs) The rest of them are in alphabetical order. Flying, death touch, double strike. Flying... Flying is first. The rest of them are in alphabetical. What? 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 Probably first because strike. probably because flying is so common and ubiquitous. Like oh, like it's... like you're probably going to run into more cases where the creatures have flying than all of these other abilities combined. So I'll buy that. I don't know. I'm, I'm uh, letting right. back. So uh, Beeperl posed a question that I'm going to answer here, and and this is so. Let's say I have a creature with trample, a creature with flying, a creature with, with vigilance, and an Audric Lunark Marshal in play. Um, and I announce my trigger. I say I have this Audric trigger, and I attack, and I tap all my guys. Uh, my oppo- and, and my my opponent wants to know. Well, he tapped them, and they should have vigilance. Uh, do they have flying and trample? And the answer is, well, yes. Also, we're going to untap them because that was a game rule violation and they should not have tapped because this player uh, announced his trigger and attack. So at your pre-release, um, if somebody does this, go ahead and back up to the appropriate point. If they forget their trigger entirely and they remember it at some point, we can then go ahead and, and uh, put the trigger on the stack later. Now, if they don't announce it and they tap all their dudes... They just they just turn all their guys sideways and say battle, then you've got a different problem. I mean, you have a missed trigger problem. At which point we just put the trigger on the stack when it's noticed. If if the opponent wants it to. 
No, that's not accurate. We put the trigger on the stack at pre-releases. Oh no, at pre-releases. Sorry, I was thinking. I wrote. I wrote the question thinking. Thinking uh, uh, competitive. Yeah, at a at a PCQ or a more competitive event, uh, we do have more rules about how many triggers are handled, um, and that's absolutely something that would go to your opponent for the decision. Um, but in yeah, a pre-release, a, a pre-release or F and M, you're going to get your yeah. stuff. Your your guys are going to get loaded up. Um, and the other, only other interesting thing about this is that it triggers on each combat, which includes the combats on your opponent's turn. Um, do you guys have any questions about that? Uh, n- not for you. <laughs> I think we have to send them to Tayback and find out what's up with the sequencing. But right, <laughs> why is flying first? Okay. Um, there's no well, equi- there's no equipments that tap. Really? I thought there were. Okay. Either that nope, or... They all give it to the creature, right? Uh, looks that way, yeah. Huh. I was wrong. Well, now that makes me angry. Olivia, mobilized for war. <laughs> One black-red for a 3-3 legendary creature. She's a vampire knight. And she has flying. And she has a church that says, Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may discard a card. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. It gains haste until end of turn, and it becomes a vampire in addition to its other types. Uh, so thing here is you're going to discard when this ability resolves. So if your opponent decides to do something uh, after the trigger uh, is on the stack, you'll get to find out about that before you make the decision to discard to it. Uh, and, uh, we also have a note here, um, you have the, tr- if Olivia dies, uh, before the trigger resolves, the controller, you can still discard a card to it, but, uh, you're not going to get any other, the other effects. So you can still use it as a madness outlet, but, uh, nothing else is going to happen. All right. Uh, prized amalgam, uh, is one blue black for a three, three. Uh, creature zombie. Uh, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, if it entered from your graveyard or you cast it from your graveyard, that's an intervening if clause right there, return prized amalgamation from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped at the beginning of the next end step. Whew, that's a lot. So let's, let's parse that. Um, so uh, uh, if a creature, if if the creature enters the battlefield, if it entered from your graveyard or you cast it from the graveyard. So there's not a whole lot of cards in this set that do that. Uh, Madness is not casting from the graveyard. You're not discarding it and casting it from the from your graveyard. You're actually exiling it. So this is not going to interact with any uh, any creatures that you're you're madnessing. Um, there's not a whole lot of uh, ways to get creatures back directly from the graveyard. There's like, uh, I, I counted like three, and there's like two rares and an uncommon. Um, prized amalgamation uh, has to be in the graveyard immediately after the new creature enters the battlefield uh, for it to trigger. So basically, when that when that creature hits hits the battlefield amalgamation has to be in the graveyard right then so if there's if there's a spell that says if there's an ability that says sacrifice a creature bring another creature back and you sacrifice prized amalgam uh that's fine but if it's something like creature enters the battlefield uh and then i put uh you know i 
discard prize amalgam or something like that. That's that's not going to do anything. Um, it's got an intervening if clause, which means it has to be true both uh, when it when it goes on the stack and when it resolves. Which I don't see any way that you can get it to not be true. It's either false for both or true for both. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, that's all I got for prize amalgam. Um, I don't think I have anything for Prize Demogum, so... Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, the, it, the next uh, the, the next card is Second Harvest. Uh, Second Harvest says, for each token you control, put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that permanent. Uh, so, basically, for all of your tokens, make tokens just like them. Uh, basically, if you look at the art on this card, you'll know exactly what you're supposed to do. Like, you can know what this card does if it's foreign. Just, like... This, you just make copies of all of your tokens. Um, is, the weird thing about this is it, it copies all tokens, not just creature tokens. So, like, clue tokens are going to be the common one for this. Um, other than that, uh, I mean, including that, actually, all normal copy rules apply here. Uh, the, co- the copies will be exactly the same as the other tokens. Yeah. Just, I guess the clue token's really the only non non obvious thing, and that could that could get you at the pre release because you're not used to thinking of tokens that aren't creatures. Yeah, especially with the art basically just being creatures. So, uh, right, I think what's the next I, card? I think we'll go on to the next thing in ice. <laughs> uh, we've got thing in the ice. It's one in a blue for an O four. It is a creature horror. Uh, it has defender. Uh, thing in uh, thing in the ice enters the battlefield with four ice counters on it. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, remove an ice counter from thing in the ice. Then, if it has no ice counters on it, transform it. And the other side of thing in the ice is awoken horror. It is a creature kraken horror. It's a seven eight. And it has, when this creature transforms into Awoken Horror, return all non-horror creatures to their owner's hands. This card is sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It says that on the card. That's just flavor text. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, the thing to note on this one is that if you find some other way to remove the ice counters uh, from it, from it will not transform because the transform is attached to the when you cast an instant or sorcery spell trigger. Um, the other thing is that it will also transform before the uh, last spell uh, resolves. So you will cast your fourth the fourth instant or sorcery spell to get rid of the last counter. Uh, it'll transform, and then we'll go to resolve that spell. Uh, I don't know. I just I'm a big fan, and uh, I'm not afraid of it. All right. Uh, so the next card is <laughs> you're not um, afraid of the card or the fact that you're a fan of it. Oh, I'm not afraid of that card. This next card might might scare me a little bit though. Yeah. I. So Triskaidekaphobia. Um, so this, this card right here, I love this card. I love everything about this card, uh, ex- except its playability. Um, so let's, let's talk briefly about it. So it's three, it's, it's one black, three generic. So it's one, three. Um, it is an enchantment. 
Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, choose one. Uh, each player with exactly 13 life loses the game, then each player gains one life. Each player with exactly third or uh, each player with exactly 13 life loses the game, then each player loses one life. Uh, this uh, uh, that card's awful, man. For four mana, that's horrible. It basically you know, boils- I don't I don't know if it's actually that awful. Like if yeah, it just yeah. said each player gains one life and the second mode each player loses one life, it, yeah. it might actually be fine. So like it's it, it it's kind of you get kind of hung up on that uh the thirteen life 13, loses the yeah. game and you're just like oh that's never gonna happen. The card's it's, awful, but it's not great. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, but so so let's let's talk before before we talk about the the, the peculiarities of this the the art in this card we're gonna talk uh so well, uh, i was say the first time i read the card i was the first time i read this card i messed up how the abilities work that the the gain lose happens regardless i was like why is why does you have to have someone lose the game before you can gain or lose life yeah right so <laughs> uh so the player the players um are gonna gain or lose life even if no one loses the game Okay, so regardless of if someone has 13, 13 life, you're either gonna each player is either gonna gain life or each player is gonna lose one life. Um, losing the game here is an effect on the card; it's not a state-based action. So if the opponent's at thirteen and you're at one, and you for whatever choose the you know 13, the player at thirteen loses loses life, and then each player loses life, they're actually gonna lose the game before you lose the game. Because it loses the game is in the effect of the the card. Um, this can cause the game to end in a draw. Uh, either you're both at thirteen or you're both at one. Um, and <laughs> in uh, in two headed giant, uh, you have to pay if, if the team is at thirteen, uh, then they would lose. Uh, but when it comes to players losing losing or gaining life, they're going to gain and lose life individually. Uh, so that's that's all the rule stuff. Now the card itself um, is really cool because Triskaidekaphobia is is fear of the number thirteen. So obviously you've got thirteens all over the place in the card art. It's got um, thirteen stones, thirteen uh, pieces of broken glass, thirteen rivets on the barrel, thirteen um, uh, kitchen implements, thirteen uh, uh, slats on the ceiling, thirteen. Uh, uh, streaks of blood on the wall, and, and yeah, there are a lot. There are, uh, you made you made a really you made a really interesting observation about this card about the dude running away. Did I? Yeah, Did I? yeah. You said you said I find it funny that the art is implying that the guy is running away from the number thirteen and not from the smear trail of blood on the walls. Oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> Cause yeah, that would make that that would it's like it's like oh man, this the smear on the blood. I'm completely fine with that, but the 13 rivets on that barrel get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Innistrad. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right, did you have anything else to add about this card? I got nothing else. Although I want right. one. <laughs> I want 13 of them. Oh. I kind of feel like this card should have like you should be able to play 13 of this card should, in your deck. Right. there should be a rule like, where you're allowed to have that they've ran out of room um so the 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 last rare we're going to talk about maybe second to last rare i'm not sure that we're going to talk about is uh wolf of devil's breach it's a uh, three colorless and two red for an elemental wolf creature that is a five five 
It says, whenever Wolf of Devil's Breach attacks, you may pay one and a red and discard a card. If you do, Wolf of Devil's Breach deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the discarded card's converted mana cost. Uh, this is uh, a madness enabler sometimes uh, and just a way to deal damage uh, most of the time uh, to get rid of stuff. So basically you can turn your spells into removal and sometimes you can discard them. Uh, you can't discard a card without also paying the one in a red, so you can't just be like, I want to discard and not pay so that I can madness it. doesn't work that way. Um, if there's an X in the cost, of course, these that X will be zero when you consider the converted mana cost of the card. Um, and you choose what this targets when it, the ability goes on the stack um, and choose what to discard when it resolves. So this is interesting in that your opponent doesn't get to know what you're discarding before they get the opportunity to respond. So like if they want a giant growth in response, they don't know if the thing you're going to discard is just really, really big uh, and going to kill it anyway. And they also don't know if you weren't going to discard anything before they decide to pump it. So this, this is pretty interesting from a like kind of a uh, what are we going to do Right. So yeah. So you, you like I'm gonna target that. To give a go, chicken. Basically. And then they go, oh, well, I'm gonna giant growth, and you go like, all right, I'm not gonna discard anything. Well, what's more likely, what's more frequently gonna happen is I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go target that, and they go, well, what are you discarding? And I go this, and they go, well, I'm gonna giant growth in response, and I go, no, actually, we're past that point. <laughs> yeah. Completely agree. Uh, because once they've asked you what they're going to discard, it is assumed that we are now in resolving the spell, because that's not information they get until you're resolving the... I'm oh, sorry, the ability, not spell. Um, and... Yeah. I think that's the end of the, the rears. Uh, there's, well, there's one last card we wanted to talk about, but it goes uh, in tandem with an email we received uh, that's about some stuff that we talked about in the, the last episode on Industry Mechanics. Um, oh, okay. And that card is Altered Ego. Um, Altered Ego is a 0-0 shapeshifter. It costs X2 green-blue. Uh, Altered Ego can't be countered. And you may have Altered Ego enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it enters with X additional plus one plus one counters. So it's basically like a Simic clone. Like I feel like this card could have been better off in a Ravnica set, but... Meh, whatever. It was also the I think it was a great job with the, the Artho. We gotta love this card because it, it was our it was our uh, the the Judge Program's spoiler for this set or preview card. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. How they previewed it was pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, it was very sweet. Um, and if you don't know what they did, is they had a bunch of uh, Judge related Twitter accounts and well known judges uh, spoil puzzle pieces of the card. Uh, on their Twitter accounts and various other social media platforms. That was pretty neat. Rick, um, Ricky got to spoil the puzzle pieces that just said the word ego. <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. It is. Um, so we got an email from Eric He uh, referencing our last episode about the rules changes. Uh, and this card has to do with some of the things that he emailed about. So I wanted to tie them together. Uh, and he actually had six different questions, so I'm going to run through them real quick. Uh, one, if a bear cub is made a copy of Loyal Cathar, then dies, does it stay in the graveyard? Two, if a bear cub is made a copy of Unhallowed Cathar, which is the other side of Loyal Cathar, then it has a converted mana cost of zero. 
Actually, I'm not going to go through these one at a time. Let's answer the first first two first. Okay. And then we'll so, uh, who wants to tackle the first two questions? Uh, so the first one, the first one, uh, the bear cub is it's going to try and uh, tr- it make it enter the battlefield transformed. So the bear cub is going to is a copy of Lokathar when when it dies, return to the battlefield transformed. Uh, you can't return it transformed; it's going to stay where it is. Right. Which is in this particular case is the graveyard. Right. Now, if you manage to make a bear cub a copy of Unhallowed Cathar, which is the other side. Um, the converted mana cost of Unhallowed Cathar is uh, one, because Loyal Cathar's mana cost is one, uh, converted mana cost is one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you make a bear cub a copy of Unhallowed Cathar, uh, then it tries to look for the other face and can't find it, so the converted mana cost is zero. It's a little awkward. Um, yeah, that's going to take, take a little bit of time to get used to, but I don't think it's... Terribly complicated. Yeah, the the bear cub becomes a copy of a f- double. F- yeah, these don't happen unless you're trying to make them happen. In which case, you probably already know the rules because that's why you're doing it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Now, uh, third question: If a delver of secrets, which is another double-faced card, is made a copy of loyal Cathar and then dies, does it return transformed? And if so, would it return as an insectile aberration? Uh, yes, yeah. that's exactly how that works. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, it, if a double face card would enter the battlefield transformed, uh, then it enters the battlefield transformed. And it's not going to be a copy anymore, so it's, it's just that. Doesn't it enter the battlefield as an aberrant researcher? No, that's a joke because that's the the new card from Shadows that is uh, <coughs> didn't. <laughs> uh, fourth question: If a Delver of Secrets is made a copy of Unhallowed Cathar, then does it have a non-zero converted mana cost? Uh, would it check Loyal Cathar's mana cost and report a CMC of two, or would it check Insectile Aberrations' mana cost and report zero? Uh, I'm actually not 100 percent sure about that off the top of my head. What do you think? I I saw on a on a Tayback Tumblr uh, mm-hmm. that it's it's zero, and people okay. are like, "Oh, that, that doesn't make any sense." He's just like, "Ah, just deal with it." <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was working I, my way through it. Yeah, I, I might. I, you know what? I might be wrong on that. I know he he tweet he he had an answer. Uh, I'll look that up while we're while you go on. Uh, here's an interesting twist on it. If Insectile Aberration, which is the back face of Delver of Secrets, is made a copy of Loyal Cathar and it dies, does it return as a Delver of Secrets? Uh, interestingly, no. It will return as an Insectile Aberration. Because when it goes to the graveyard, only it's we only care about its front face. So it returns to the battlefield transformed, which means its back face is face up. And we have an Insectile Aberration. Nice try, though. Yeah. And the last question that he had for us was, uh, if an insectile aberration is made a copy of Unhallowed Cathar, then does it have a non-zero converted mana cost? If so, which would it be? Um, so I believe that its converted mana cost would be the converted mana cost of Delver of Secrets, which is what it's on its front face. I'm just trying to – I'm missing how this is different from the fourth question. Uh, so this involved it's, – it's – the answer oh, is, it is. It's, 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 I got it now. Okay. 
It's different because it's the back face of both sides. And the CMC of both cards, I think, is actually one, so it doesn't really matter, but... Loyal Cathar is is white-white. Oh, is it two? I'm sorry, I misspoke earlier then. Um, So it's converted mana cost is two. Um, And a lot of these situations can actually come up with Altered Ego, which is why I wanted to tie those two together, uh, because you get to copy cards, and sometimes you'll be copying one of the faces of a double-faced card. Yeah, I I definitely want to uh, copy... You know, the more powerful side of your card, if I can. Um, uh, also, this card can't be countered. So the last thing I want to point out about it is that if uh, a card can't be countered, that is not the same as can't be the target of counter spells. Uh, so if somebody tries to counterspell your spell that can't be countered, they have cast their spell, it's still going to go to the graveyard, and you still get your altered ego. Yeah, that seems to happen quite often with the cannot be countered. Uh, spells as, yes. get used to, as people get used to the fact that they have that and people uncounterable uh, ability. And people frequently try to take back their counter spells when they oh, try yeah. to counter spells. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. that. I, didn't, I didn't know. I uh, Well, a lot of times they think that's how that works. It. I wouldn't have cast it. And I, I think at a, at a pre-release I'd definitely be more forgiving of my opponents, but you know. Because I'm, I'm trying to make stupid mistakes at midnight. The point was that there are people that think that that is how it works, not that they're trying to oh, get yeah. away with something. Uh, oh, yeah, they, sure. they will think, oh, well, that, I can't cast that. You can, and at yeah, oh, yeah, least I'd, I'd be forgiving, be like, actually, that's... Sure. You 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 can take that back, that's fine. But, but be careful. <laughs> but but uh, that's not a thing... You, you, it's not how that actually works. I want them to understand the difference. Yep, Completely. It doesn't have protection from counter spells. <laughs> uh, that would be sweet—a spell with protection from from spells that counter spells. Man, how would that even work rules-wise? Anyway, I don't know. Beepro, um, did oh, you find uh, the thing? Yeah. You're okay. For? So here we go from from March 9th. If one insectile aberration becomes a copy of another insectile aberration using Cytoshape, which apparently is one of the most important cards now. Does the converted mana cost change to zero or stay one? Uh, Tabak's answer, apparently, period. Uh, and then in all caps, OMG, what if a backface becomes a copy of itself? Question mark, exclamation point. It happens all the times in my games, and I've got a smother, and I don't know what to do with it. What now? And then he <laughs> says, in lowercase, the CMC is still zero. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't follow his Tumblr, you should, because it's hilarious. All right, we have one last email uh, that we want to go over. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to thank uh, Eric He for sending in that email and uh, giving us all those questions. I appreciate it. Uh, we send us more questions if you have them. We'll we'll answer them and bring them on the show if they're if they relevant or if we think they're good questions we want to do that i think we're almost all cut up with our emails now uh so that whole thing where we're saying we don't always answer them right away we should be good on that now so if you send us emails we should answer them uh, our next email is from ryan it says my opponent discards a basking root walla into exile off of a discard effect basking root walla has madness uh, and the madness trigger goes on the stack if i respond with Pull from Eternity, targeting the Baxing Wall that is in exile, does the Madness Trigger fizzle? 
or does it cast the spell for madness from the grave uh, graveyard regardless? A pull from eternity is a um, a white spell uh, that says put target uh, exiled card into its owner's graveyard. Um, and this is interesting in that the madness trigger will be on the stack, and then the card goes from exile to the graveyard. It becomes a new object in the graveyard. And then the madness trigger will resolve. The player who controls the trigger will then choose whether or not they wish to pay the madness cost. And then whether or not they paid the madness cost, the spell will not be cast because it's not where it was expected to be. Yeah, don't pay. Don't pay. (laughs) But you could pay the cost if you wanted to. You really could. You don't want to, but you could. In, in Judge Rule's questions, we don't always answer what the smart thing is. We answer what the rules allow, and the rules allow you to do dumb things. Yes, they do. All right, well. Uh, that's it, man. That's that's all there is. That's all there is. All she wants. So if uh, you would like to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com you can find us online at judgecast.com um, you can find us on facebook at facebook facebook.com slash judgecast uh, something something tumblr judgecast. yeah i don't think we're on tumblr <laughs> yeah we but... are we are sort of uh, he heard you guys have a tinder account cj put we have a tinder we do not account have, we do yeah. not have a tinder account we have even a tinder cj account. said in the last episode that we do uh he was like, oh, I think we're on Tinder. No, we're not. We have OkCupid, okay, uh, Plenty of Fish. We're all over the place. <laughs> um, think of, like, farmmeetups.com, you know, just all, you know. So, uh, Billy Willie, uh, I want to thank you very much for uh, coming on the show with us again and, and helping us out with this episode. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug or any way you'd like people to contact you or anything like that? Uh, no, if you uh, want to follow me on Twitter, I'm BillyWilly85. Uh, other than that, it was great to be on, and thanks for putting up with me two weeks in a row. Um, There's 84 other Billy Willies? Uh, no, I was no, born I in 85. I making a joke, yes. Yeah. I asked that question about his this PlayStation Network account, To It's not the same number, and I was like, it's not a year? What are you doing? Anyway. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, all right, then. We appreciate you joining in and listening in with us on this rather long episode. Uh, my name is Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlow, and I keep it fair. Uh, and I'm Billy Lee. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs>